Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. I'm your co-host, Donald Vogel, and joining me as always is my co-host and the colorful character, Christian Redshaw. Christian, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. How well, are you today? I am fantastic. We're, we're really looking forward to today's show because we're having a, a Sammy Curry, who's going to be an upcoming speaker at the Vancouver International Privacy and Security Summit. Um, so this is a awesome, awesome opportunity to be talking with someone who has been in cybersecurity for, I believe, 30 plus years and has a huge purview of cybersecurity in, in this country. So we're really looking forward to having Sammy on the show. And uh, so we will take a brief commercial break here and then we will uh, welcome Sammy onto the show. All data is not created equal. You require a depth and breadth of information on technology assets that increases your credibility, maximizes your effectiveness, and differentiates your service offering. You need to know what's there. Since 2004, Landsweeper has been the world's leading platform for IT, OT, and IoT discovery and inventory. By leveraging multiple proprietary scanning engines, from credential-free device recognition to agent-based discovery and everything in between. Landsweeper allows you to find both known and unknown assets connecting to your customer's network. The data available in Landsweeper's platform allows you to respond to a wide variety of use cases and is completely extensible through data export, our open API, or an OEM model that allows you to leverage our scanning capabilities within your own proprietary solution. When you partner with Landsweeper, the potential is endless. Sammy, thank you so much for joining us on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well and great to be on that uh, podcast. We're really excited to have this conversation. I know we're going to have a lot of great questions and I know you're going to have a lot of great answers. So we'll, we'll start off with what I'm hoping is an easy one. Uh, would you be able to tell uh, us and our, our listeners and viewers a little bit more about yourself and a little bit about your career narrative? Happy to. So uh, in my current role, I'm the head of the Canadian Center for Cybersecurity. I've been in my role for a little bit over maybe two and a half years. The Cyber Center is part of the communication security establishment, and my career here uh, is 31 years old. So I've been at CSE all these all these years, many of them, about 25 of those 31 years on the intelligence side of the house. So understanding the threat, understanding the government of Canada, uh, intelligence requirement, and then I did a stint as the CIO of the organization. So understanding IT and working with them the head of the cyber center to make sure that what we tell Canadian and government to do applies also to us. And then more recently as the head of the cyber center. So it's, it's been an amazing career over 31 years, and I hope to continue to contribute for uh, many more to come. So we're talking to a smart dude today. So <laughs> um, uh, one more uh, question to, from that, Sammy, and I'll, I'll hand it off to Christian. Um, in terms of maybe just, just at a high level, in terms of what you've seen, just because you've been at it for you know, over 30 years, um, can you speak about sort of, I guess, the Canadian, I guess, what you're seeing from the Canadian cybersecurity perspective? How has sort of the attitude of cybersecurity evolved and changed with uh, in, in Canada, not just at the public sector level, but even the private sector level? Uh, so up until 2018, we were very much focused on government and we were focusing on defending government, protecting government uh, with capabilities that are, I'm proud to say, world class. And many of our partners look at our capabilities and say, wow. Uh, you guys are ahead of the pack. Uh, and in recognizing that, uh, the government in 2018 saw it fit to give us a mandate that's a lot broader than just government. So since 2018, we have been sort of supporting critical infrastructure, uh, public sector beyond just the federal government. The pandemic has put a, a you know a kink in, in our uh, growth in a way for about two years or a little bit more, but we are more out there. 
and the message is starting to make a difference. So uh, whereas maybe two and a half years ago, I would have said, you know, talking about cybersecurity was at times challenging. I think today we are welcomed in boardroom, we're welcomed in conferences where we have a message to sit, to talk about cybersecurity and raise the resilience of Canada. So, so there has been, a, I think, a positive evolution, but I don't want to leave anybody with the perception that it's mission accomplished or job well done. We, we have to be at it and we have to keep uh, pushing the message of cybersecurity to make Canada a very resilient society. I think another uh, easy question for you, Sammy, uh, when we're talking about cybersecurity and the threat landscape, how important is it for private sector and public sector to take cyber threats seriously today? I would say this is super important. Uh, the, the threat landscape does not, well, uh, elements of the threat that distinguish between government and private sector. But the reality is that uh, today we live in a connected world. We live in a connected society. And sometimes you are a mean to an end. Uh, and so we have ransomware often does not distinguish uh, between you know, public sector, private sector. They will go where there is money. Cyber espionage, you know, still interested in stealing intellectual property from the private sector and getting to secrets of the government. So, so the, 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 the mean to achieve uh, you know, an end, which is uh, I would need to get your information might change slightly, but everybody I, I feel is at risk uh, of falling victim to, uh, uh, to, to the threats that we face today. Let's uh, continue on that thread then, Sammy. So what are the consequences if a, if a cyber attack like ransomware is successful uh, for, let's say, a, a city or a municipality or a smaller medium-sized organization? What are they in for when that happens? So in, in our most recent uh, National Cyber Threat Assessment, uh, which was issued in 2022 and the same in 2020, we've identified ransomware as the number one threat that Canadians will face. The consequences of ransomware are, are I would say, devastating uh, because it denies, uh, uh, amongst other things, citizens access to services or critical information. Uh, and and also, uh, you know, the impact on a business is is recovery. It's costly. It's downtime. Uh, and on top of that, there's also an element of ransomware that uh, where information is stolen. So it's not just about locking an IT system and saying, uh, "Give me a ransom for me to give you back your IT." But nowadays, we're seeing ransomware when it relates to information. So they steal information, and and as a result, that information becomes a privacy concern. So they leak that information on the dark web and it becomes a privacy concern. Uh, Samuel, I, I want to keep going down the, the ransomware path just because it's, uh, you know, it's been like a digital wildfire of sorts, you know, for the past several years, like you're saying there. I mean, it's, it's been, um, you know, the, the, one of the main cyber threats and what we're seeing, um, and I wonder if you can maybe compare and contrast in terms of, um, you know, what are we seeing in terms of how ransomware is being handled maybe in public sector versus how ransomware is being handled or perceived in, in private sector and in, 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 uh, specifically with smaller businesses across the country? So the threat of ransomware, ransomware is, is motivated by money. Uh, and uh, they, cyber criminals will go where they can make, where they can make money. Um, so, and money can be direct uh, in a sense that uh, I'm going to go after a business that has maybe a multinational that has deep pockets and I'll get money out of it. Or money can be made also through monetizing information. Public sector tends to own a lot of citizens' information. So 
at that point, it becomes how do I monitor? So healthcare, for example, it becomes how do I monetize as a cyber criminal? How do I monetize private information of citizens? Whereas maybe in a private sector, uh, you know, you're a big company, uh, uh, maybe the value of intellectual property or the value of your IT system and your downtime can be measured in sort of losses and gain from a business perspective. Both of them, both take it seriously, both have a direct impact. Uh, but I think, uh, and both has, have, we need to work with both communities, public and private, to raise that resilience and awareness that ransomware, unfortunately, uh, is a very serious threat. Every day, organizations face the threat of cyber attacks that target privileged accounts. In fact, a staggering 74% of data breaches start with compromised privileged accounts and credentials. Is your organization prepared to defend against these attacks? What if an attacker obtains access to one of your privileged accounts? What if a new admin mistakenly changes the configuration of a server, exposing sensitive information? How do you prove to auditors that all privileged activity in your organization is legitimate and under control? Netrix Privilege Secure is the answer. This complete solution empowers you to slash the risks associated with privileged accounts. You can gain insight into your attack surface by identifying all always-on privileged accounts across your organization, including local admins, service accounts, and scheduled tasks. Replace risky always-on privileges with just-in-time temporary accounts that have just enough access for the task at hand and that are automatically deleted afterward. Prevent breaches and ensure accountability by closely monitoring all privileged activity for suspicious behavior. Prove compliance with strict regulatory requirements with a tamper-proof audit trail of every session. Enforce least privilege by empowering data owners to regularly review access rights to their content and remove any excessive privileges. Don't delay. Visit netrix.com PAM today to lock down your privileged accounts before they're compromised. Every day, your business's data holdings grow in complexity and risk. With customer privacy and protection as a top priority, you need to know and trust your data in order to maximize its potential and manage your exposure. Solving this problem with multiple unintegrated solutions only adds to the system's complexity. You need a central, automated platform to manage all your company's data risk, compliance, governance, and quality issues. Transforming your data from a potential liability into a valued, trusted asset that will enable you to grow your business with confidence. Introducing Data Sentinel, an all-in-one sensitive data management platform that illuminates the true nature of your organization's data. Natively integrating with all your sources and systems, monitoring, measuring, and remediating to ensure compliance with company policies and evolving data privacy regulations. Protect your business and your customers. Be confident your data is high quality, well-governed, and compliant. Data Sentinel. Trust your data. I was just going to ask uh, along those lines, whether it's a public or a private organization, uh, what are some success factors that you've seen, Sammy, that of organizations that are doing well to protect themselves against this threat? So there's a lot of things that businesses, and, and I use business generically, a small, medium, or big business or public sector can do to at least raise the bar of resilience. So there is no such thing as 100% proof, but it's important that we make it as difficult as possible for 
cyber actors to 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 be successful. So it starts with at the very least, um, you know, ensuring that your your systems are up to date, that your systems are patched, that that you have enabled as secure systems as possible in terms of multi-factor authentication, that you've educated your user about the the, the threat that phishing uh, poses, because in some cases it is phishing, could be social engineering. So there's a lot of things that businesses can do uh, in that space to, to mitigate uh, the threat. Uh, in case of an incident, we absolutely encourage whomever is a victim of, of ransomware to reach out to us. We've published the ransomware playbook but at the same time, we want them to reach out to us. We want to understand how it happened. We want to understand what was the vulnerability that was exploited. We want to be able to connect some dots, maybe across Canada, if maybe three, four hospitals fall victim to the same vulnerability. Maybe it's a piece of medical equipment that needs particular attention. Maybe there is a campaign by a cyber criminal. So that's why we want people to reach out to us and in a timely way to share that information with us. We've also recently uh, uh, pushed out a new capability called pre-ransomware notification, and that that's essentially we give a heads up to, we see the telltales, or maybe not the telltales, with the early signs of a ransomware campaign, and we notify businesses that, uh, you know, we've seen an early sign of ransomware directed at them, and we hope that businesses, regardless of their size, take it seriously and either follow up with us or go chase down where is that uh, sort of victim machine so that they can unplug it and remove it? And so far, we've issued over 500. Well, so far, since March, of, uh, so April of last year, we've issued over 500 pre-ransomware notifications. And um, Sammy, you know, on the front of you know, looking at the small and mid-sized businesses again, what role does cyber insurance or the insurance companies play in dealing with something like ransomware? You know, we, we, we still hear a lot of organizations that think they can just ensure their way out of something with like uh, with cyber insurance and getting away from ransomware. But when the time comes and the, the insurance is denied because they haven't been doing stuff like multi-factor authentication or, or what have you, in your mind, what type of role should insurance play in dealing with ransomware? So I think we, we've, we've heard and we've seen that insurance companies are becoming uh, more sophisticated into the, the, uh, the, insurance, the cyber insurance policy uh, world and are demanding more of their uh, clients than simply a checkbox uh, in terms of do you have MFA? Yes, no. Uh, so they're becoming a little bit more uh, sophisticated in asking those questions about implementations, about keeping things up to date, and so on. So I think insurance companies have a role to play in in ensuring that you know the the cybersecurity hygiene or the cybersecurity best practices are well implemented in their in their client, and we hope that. Uh, you know, in doing so, uh, again, it makes the the, the incident uh, less likely to happen or more difficult for a cyber criminal uh, to target uh, a business. And switching over to a little bit of a negative gear to those organizations that are maybe not doing so well and are maybe getting getting uh, successfully breached. Um, what are some of the myths or misconceptions that maybe you're seeing out there, uh, and some maybe some poor cybersecurity practices and gaps? Well, there might be a misconception that uh, ransomware or, or a cyber incident is is, on, is only an IT issue. And I would say, no, it's not just an IT issue. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's also a, a, a people issue. It's a privacy issue. 
So, so it's a business issue. So the board, in my opinion, the board of a company needs to own cybersecurity. There might be, a, um, you know, it might the implementation might fall to the CIO or the CTO, uh, but the board has to own the cybersecurity agenda because it, it impacts the livelihood of the business. Uh, so that's that's a myth that only the CIO can solve. No, I, I say my, in all my talks, I say everybody around this table has to own the cybersecurity. There might be a privacy incident, there might be an IT downtime, all these things. So that's why you have you have to own it. There's also the perception that I have insurance, then I'm okay. The insurance does not stop a cyber actor from reaching your network, uh, and also. Uh, the ransom, uh, paying a ransom, does not uh, rewind the clock. Uh, so people have to be mindful of the fact that paying a ransom, uh, while it is a business decision, comes with some, uh, uh, you know, with some second-order effect. Like you are paying ransom, you are you are fueling the the ecosystem of cyber criminals. There is no guarantee that they will honor their part of the deal in in giving you the magic key. There is no guarantee that your systems will return to the pre-ransomware state. There's no guarantee that they won't come back a second time, knowing that you paid a ransom the first time. Uh, and there's no immunity from future ransomware campaigns. So all of these things are things that maybe myth that are out there and uh, people have to be mindful of. Completely agree, Sammy. Well said. There's certain risks that are just not insurable. It can't stop you from... Uh litigation. It can't yep. automatically repair trust with your constituents or with your clients and stakeholders. So yeah, um, really, really well noted. When it comes to starting this conversation, uh, broaching cybersecurity in an organization, how would you suggest, or what would you suggest as the best starting point and, and the very first steps that an organization should take? Well, I think uh, we live in a digital world and, and I feel that uh, organizations have to have to recognize that uh, their IT is is um, is one of their assets, and and they need to take it seriously. And securing the IT has to be done in in the most serious manners. Uh, again, we're all connected, whether it's software, hardware. We're connected by the internet, all these things. So uh, I think recognizing that any of those things can be a vector. To me, cybersecurity is a kind of a three-legged stool. You have the the technology. You have the people, education, training your staff, investing in your staff to spot, ensuring that you have quality, uh, world-class employees, but also educating them at what is the threat out there, the threat of phishing and so on, but also having the internal processes to deal with an incident because an incident will happen uh, and saying, I'm sorry, it happened on a Saturday and we had nobody watching our system is not excusable. So. We, we encourage people to recognize that it's that three-legged stool of people's technology and processes that have to be balanced uh, in order to have a good, you know, cybersecurity maturity. Uh, Sammy, now we'll conclude with what hopefully is an easy question. <laughs> um, tell us, or give us a little teaser about your upcoming talk at the Vancouver International Privacy and Security Summit, and also why you're excited to be speaking at the conference. Uh, I'm looking forward to returning to VIPS. I, I spoke at VIPS about two years ago and I look forward to uh, being back. Uh, it's a it's a you know it's a great Canadian conference and and it pulls together not just security but also privacy. And more and more we are seeing today that there's an intersection between the two. As I said, information is being leaked 
you know, a cyber incident, a ransomware incident results in information being taken. That information is sold on the dark web. So it's to make sure that those two communities recognize that they are intertwined, that they are connected. Uh, the other thing is also I'll be probably talking about is BC will be uh, going into an election period in the fall. And we just released uh, our threat to Canada's democratic process, the fourth edition, and to bring light to the fact that you know there is there is a threat uh, of of uh, misinformation. There's a the the threat of foreign interference. There's a threat of AI being used uh, to uh, you know deep fakes and uh, so I'm going to be talking a little bit about not just the traditional cybersecurity ransomware nation state, but also about uh, how is AI and these evolving technologies uh, affecting maybe our democracy and and uh, in an election period. That's wonderful, Sammy. We're looking forward to seeing you in person. And thank you so much for joining us on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast today. Thank you very much. And uh, Christian and I will be right back um, after this VIPS commercial break uh, to wrap up today's episode. Join us at the 26th annual Vancouver International Privacy and Security Summit. Embark on a transformative intellectual journey on guarding privacy, fortifying security, and navigating the AI frontier, where visionaries, experts, and innovators convene to dissect the intricate intersection of cutting-edge artificial intelligence and the critical imperatives of preserving privacy and enhancing security. Through riveting keynote sessions, interactive workshops, and collaborative panels, this event promises to unravel the complexities, challenges, and opportunities that define our digital age. It's a special promo code, CyberSC15. That was a really great conversation with Sammy. Uh, just a wealth of knowledge. You could tell that he's he's been there, done that. He lives in it. Years. He lives in it. Uh, what, what was one of your key takeaways? I think just the old reminder, people, process, and technology makes up cybersecurity. Yeah. 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 No, for, I mean, for me, I thought it was just really, I was really um, happy to hear that we have such great leadership at the, at the Canadian level, at that level. I didn't realize Canada was so far ahead in terms of cybersecurity. So I guess in your face, Albania. But uh, um, uh, where? <laughs> I think yes, it was just a joke, but uh, I thought it was really, really uh, interesting. Everything that he laid out, like for someone who's been at it for as long as he's been at it, to be able to see all the ebbs and flows, uh, what a really, really great conversation, you know. So I'm um, really grateful for Sam McCurry for joining us on the on the show today. And again, as we are showcasing uh, speakers at the Vancouver International Privacy and Security Summit, um, and just as a, a special reminder for those of you who are listening, uh, there is a special promo code. It's Cyber SC15. So CYB. C, yeah, C-Y-B-E-R-S-C-1-5, the numbers. Um, if you're wanting to go to the upcoming VIPS uh, Summit, um, please use that promo code and you will get uh, 10% off. So a uh, special thank you to uh, Sammy for coming again today. And if you did miss previous episodes, do check out the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube page and or uh, your preferred podcasting platform. You can listen to all the old episodes or classic episodes as we call them around here. Um, but until next time. Old but not stale. How's yeah. that? <laughs> until next time. Be well, be safe, and we'll see you again on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Mm-hmm.